Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton. And first off today, check out the Motor Up Sports apparel shop, uh, depop.com backslash Motor Up Sports. Ton of vintage clothing out. Um, this is one of the things that actually, if you guys are watching the YouTube version, I bought shirts similar to the 97 Stanley Cup. So go check out the Depop page. Um, but the first thing I want to start off with is congratulations, Michigan. Congratulations. I haven't started with Michigan all year. I've never felt the need to start with Michigan all year. But this week, that was the most impressive win Michigan's had in my entire life. I'm 21 years old. I've never seen Michigan annihilate Ohio State the way that they did. Ohio State looked like they didn't even belong in that game. You know, first possession of the game. What typically happens with Michigan football if Ohio State scores first? Michigan puts their heads down, they get punched, they get punched again and again and again and again, and next thing you know, Michigan loses. That is typical of Michigan football. I thought at the end of that first quarter, or sorry, at the end of the first drive, game was over. It was going to be a blowout to Ohio State. But credit to Michigan, they punched back, and they just kept punching over and over and over and over. And Ohio State just didn't fight back. I've never seen an Ohio State team that soft in my entire life. I thought they were soft after the Penn State game when it took them two quarters to punch back. That's why I picked Michigan. Now, I kept saying Michigan was going to win that game was because I just always thought Ohio State was soft to me. And they showed again. They were soft as fucking hell on Saturday. Ryan Day is no Urban Meyer. I'll tell you that much. I don't see him getting another year. That would be three straight years without a Big Ten title. And three straight years of that going to Michigan. Because we all know how far off Penn State is. We all know how far off State is. And the West Side, who gives a shit? They're so far off and they are not even competitive in that game. If Ohio State goes three years without a Big Ten title and three years in a row without being Michigan, I see Ryan Day getting fired or mysteriously leaving for the NFL because Ohio State's pushing him out. That time is ticking. Urban Meyer raised the expectations there to an extreme height. To an extreme height. That if Ryan Day wasn't beating Michigan and wasn't winning Big Ten titles and getting to the playoffs and winning national titles, because that was the norm at Ohio State under Urban Meyer. Jim Trussell didn't have these expectations Ryan Day has. Because Urban Meyer is such a damn good coach. We're looking at, I mean, we're literally looking at Ryan Day losing his job in a year. And he want to, and let's think about it. He went to the playoffs. Went to the playoffs twice. Went to a natty. And we're talking about a guy who's going to get fired because he can't be Michigan. The rivalry is switching. It's very clear it's switching. It's obviously showing Ohio State isn't the Ohio State program that they, they were when Urban Meyer was there. And I kept saying the Big Ten is going to switch. There's going to be a new team. And credit to Jim Harbaugh. I hate his I hate his ass. I will say right now, I hate Jim Harbaugh. And we'll always hate Jim Harbaugh as a person, as a coach, and everything about the man. But to his credit, you have to give it to him. He has turned it around. He has brought Michigan back to the Bo days, to the Gary Moeller days, to the Lloyd Carr early days. He's brought Michigan back from the dead. You have to give him that credit. He was this close to losing his job two years ago after COVID. They gave him one more year. He took a salary cut, and he showed that, hey, I can win the Big Ten. And shit, I can win the Big Ten for a very long time because Ryan Day is so far off of Michigan now. 
Jim Harbaugh, it might have taken him six years to turn that program around, but good job to him. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job the last two years. You have to give him that credit. That old line is going to send everybody to the NFL. We saw Blake Quorum and how great he was. And no no offense to Quorum, you can put Jalen Berger on that line and make Jalen Berger look good. Quorum's a great running back, NFL running back. Well, you saw Donovan Edwards at the end of the game come in and take those two 75-yard runs because of holes that O-line created. And, I mean, basically how soft Ohio State is too. But if you watch Michigan football, they're going to send everybody on that line in NFL. Donovan's going to be an NFL running back. Quorum's an NFL running back. JJ, who I've said all year, I don't know if he, he's got it in him. I don't know. He showed he had it in him on Saturday, struggled early, responded, made some great throws. I said that was the game you were going to see if JJ's a real quarterback or not. He showed he's a real quarterback. He showed he's better than Cade. Cade's hitting the transfer portal because JJ's just so damn good. Also, you got to look at it this way. Every single senior class at Michigan from like literally 2002 couldn't pick up two wins against Ohio State. Very few of them did early on. But from the Rich Rodriguez days up until now, no senior class has two wins against Michigan. And now they got a two and two record against Ohio State and their first win in Columbus since 2000. Harbaugh's turned it around. Harbaugh has made Michigan into a blue blood again. Something I didn't think he was capable of a year ago. Something after that Michigan Michigan State game, I said, this is it for Harbaugh. He doesn't beat Ohio State. Boop, he's out of there. But you got to give it to him. He's done a phenomenal job turning it around. And the rivalry is clearly switching. And Michigan State is so far off now of Michigan. In one year, Michigan State's program took two steps back. And Michigan's took two more steps forward. And now Michigan State's two or three steps behind Michigan. And it's probably not changing for a long time. And that's what sucks. As a state fan, after this year, the year that you thought you were going to win 10 games, that was my preseason prediction. I'll say right now, worst one of the worst takes I've had all year. Because my Lions take is still alive that they can win seven. So that prediction might be fine. But this one, I said 10 wins. They won five, and they weren't even competitive in big games. They were not competitive against Ohio State. Minnesota, who's not that good of a team? They were not competitive against them. They were not competitive against Penn State. They played a good game against Michigan. Were they competitive? Eh, maybe a little bit, but they always are competitive in that game. Tucker has these guys so far off Michigan, it's unbelievable. And you're looking at a Big Ten that's going to disgustingly run through Jim Harbaugh for as long as he's at Michigan. This sucks. I mean, th this is horrible. I hate it so much. I hate it for college football. I hate it for sports. I hate it for Big Ten. I fucking despising Jim Harbaugh win. And it's happening. I want to move into some Michigan State basketball talk while we're staying on the topic of college. And it's Michigan State. I said after the first couple of games, you know, he felt comfortable with those nine guys going in. And those nine guys are very, very good. Those nine guys are great. And those nine guys can build a title team. But when they're hurt, it doesn't fucking matter because you're playing two walk-ons at the same time. You can't keep two walk-ons on the floor in the second half. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Duke doesn't do it. UNC, Kansas, Kentucky, every blue blood, they're not playing walk-ons unless they're up 35 points in the in, in, with four minutes left. You don't see it. And we got Widens. No offense to him. He has no, does not belong on the floor. 
he does, and he has no ability to score. He's a walk-on. He's exactly what, what he came here for. He's a walk-on. I can't rip on the kid because he's doing what he came here to do. Carson Cooper, walk-on. They bumped the scholarship at the end, but he's not good. He's not ready. He's not a Big Ten player. Shit, he wouldn't even start in the MAC right now. We're throwing on walk-ons on the floor in the second half in meaningful minutes because you kept nine guys. And those nine guys could be contenders had you hit the fucking transfer portal and brought in three or four transfers. I'm pissed today. You barely squeaked squeak past Portland, who honestly, fuck that. You guys can be happy they won that game all they want. I am pissed about that game. Oregon, they played horrible the entire game, and they still won. There's no reason why you should be playing Kohler, Cooper, and Whitens, but you have to because you have nine guys. And Trey Holloman, no offense, I don't think he's that ready either. He, he, he should be the 10th guy off the bench. He shouldn't be your 8th guy or 7th guy. He, he's not. He's a freshman. These freshmen shouldn't be playing big minutes in the second half right now. That's, and I get it. It gets easy this month. After Notre Dame, I mean, it, it gets easy. So you have a month to really get healthy. Maybe figure out these walk-ons can play. Honestly, if I'm Tom Izzo right now, most teams in college basketball do this. I don't know why he wants to play nine, ten guys. Figure out your seven and a half man rotation. Figure seven and a half guys out. We got our starting five when they're healthy, which is Sissoko, Hall, Hauser, Hogard, Walker. That's your five when they're healthy. Then you got to cut it down to seven and a half. And who are the next two guys? Pierre Aitkins. Honestly, you could stick Tyson at point guard, play Aitkins at the two, Pierre Brooks at the three, and then your half guy is Jackson Kohler. It's not really rocket science. If he wants to play nine, play, play Trey Holloman, play eight and a half. If you're not comfortable, you know, playing big minutes for Walker, Hogar, and all of them. Who, who Hogar, or he's he's been sleepwalking. I don't know what's gotten into him. He turned it up a little bit in the second half against Portland, but I, I, I don't know if he saw the tweets at half or whatever, but he's been sleepwalking. The team doesn't have that same fight that they did against Gonzaga and Kentucky. That's the first thing I'm going to say. They're not playing with that much fire. I don't know if the coaching staff, I don't know if teams are just figuring out Michigan State now and figured out their playbook because they've shown everything or whatnot. But Izzo ain't coaching as good as he did the first three games. And I know you're down players. I know you have a lot of injuries. I get that. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't be playing walk-ons in the second half. I, I'm sorry. You shouldn't be playing walk-ons in the first half. I understand it. But Izzo, you got to cut your rotation to seven and a half. I'm I, I'm done with this nine ten minute rotation. You know, right now you're forced to play guys who shouldn't be playing. That's your fault for not hitting the transfer portal. I get it. He has always said, "I will die by not going on the transfer portal." But in today's game, you have the right to be arrogant, Tom Izzo. You're the best coach in college basketball. You could be arrogant, but at the same time, you got to realize that you got to do what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is hitting the portal, and everyone's hitting the portal hard. There were eight hundred guys on the portal. You're telling me you couldn't bring in a backup center and another guy that, that can come off the bench? You're just wasting a year. You have nine guys that are so good together that your injury is away from blowing it all. If they walk in the march healthy, this all gets forgotten. All this BS I'm talking about rolls right out the window if they're healthy in March. But if they're walking in the March Madness with seven scholarship players like they're doing right now, then you're going to get bounced in the first round. They can't walk in the march unhealthy walking with your this is just you have to walk in healthy and that's a lot to ask for it's a long season and you're already down two players and you're barely through the first month 
it's really bothering me. It really is. I don't get what's going on. I don't get what Izzo was thinking this offseason, saying we're not going to just add a few pieces. He said he's comfortable with nine guys. Yeah, clearly, the nine guys you were comfortable with are hooping. Are hooping. But the other guys are just walk-ons who should be hitting the floor. And that's my issue right now with Michigan State. And that's what's upsetting me so much. You're throwing away a season where we can actually win some games. Tyson looks like Kemba Walker out there. The work that he's done with Tyson has been incredible. So Sokol ain't playing with the same fight that he was the first couple of games. But at the end of the day, he's so much better than he was last year. And I don't care if he's not going to show up for little games like Portland and Oregon. If he's going to show up for Michigan, if he's going to show up for Ohio State, if he's going to show up for Purdue and Indiana, I'm perfectly fine with Sissoko playing like shit against Northwestern. I'm fine with it. If he's going to show up for the big games, great. Because that's what he's done so far this year. He's shown up in every big game. Hogard, when he's not sleepwalking, he looks like a, a all-Big Ten point guard. Paul looks like a, a much-improved player. They're missing his inbounding clearly because some of these inbounds are ridiculously horrible. Peter Brooks, look at Peter Brooks. When he's hot, he doesn't miss. He's a sniper. He's a sniper they're kind of missing. And now he's in the starting lineup. I mean, he was like four for four for three at one point yesterday. Pierre's much improved. Ethan's when he's healthy, all Big Ten player. Probably next year or the year after, but he looks like a guy who can hit the rotation. And Hauser looks like a leader. But when he's off, the team is off. And the whole team relies on Hauser. That's my problem with Michigan State right now, is that every single guy that was here last year is so much better than they were. You see it. You see the growth. You see they're willing to play big minutes. But you're throwing away a season playing White and Carson Cooper. It's frustrating, man. It's very frustrating. And you want to know what else is very frustrating? I'm going to conclude with the Lions today, which I've never done before. But I want to move on to the Pistons. And, I mean, there's no other way to sugarcoat it at this point. They're the most unlucky team right now in the league. Honestly, all the luck turns around if you get Wemby. Right now you control the number one pick without a lottery. The injuries have been horrible. The injuries are piling up. It's a very unlucky season. Coming in with a team that, you know, I said 33 wins. They'll be lucky to get to 25 at this point. And they're further off than I ever expected. I think the job that Weaver's doing is phenomenal. He has three stars in the making. Killian, I'll talk about him later. Killian looks like a guy who can, who can potentially stay on the roster next year and be a piece. You're looking to trade Sadiq as you, know, you should, as I've said in previous episodes. But... It's very tough when you're down four or five starters every game and they're staying in these games and they're fighting their asses off. You have to give that to them. Weaver's going to be fine. Like the Pistons will be fine. That's not my problem. My problem is they're further back than I ever expected, which honestly, I don't even know if they make a play in next year unless they spend money this offseason, which they have the money to spend. How are they going to spend it is the question. Will they save for 24, which I think they should do. Why would you go out there and get two names for no goddamn reason whatsoever? That's just something Van Gundy would do. I'd save the money for when you like a free agent like Chris Middleton. I don't know if you'll ever get him in a million years, but I'm talking about you got free agents that are coming up in 24 that are solid, that I'm willing to preserve my money to get to that point right now. You take another year of a draft, you sign role players. Like, guys who would be, like, a supporting cast to LeBron in Cleveland. Snipers. Like, for example, I think mean, these aren't guys that are in the league anymore, but you need to find those guys. You need to find a J.R. Smith. 
Which honestly, your J.R. Smith could be Jordan Clarkson, which I'd throw money at. You, you need Jordan Clarkson. You're going to have to look for a guy like Kyle Corbett. You're going to need to find another sniper because obviously you're training Sadiq Bay at that line. And he hasn't been the sniper that you expected him to be. He can't play with Boyan. He can't play with the rest of the, with the supporting cast. Kick him out. You don't need him. I'm not wasting my time on guys who can't figure it out with this core. You have your core. You got Ivy, you got Cade, you got, you got Dirk. That's your core. Badly, you can kind of consider in there well as well because Bagley's here for two more years after this year. And honestly, they're a much better team when Bagley plays. They're fighting harder. They're more energetic. They're playing off of Bagley better. And I bashed Bagley a couple episodes ago because he was playing really bad from the injury. He looks fully healthy now. He looks in a really good piece on this team when they're contending. So I'll put Bagley into the core of the four players who I think will still be around. Killian is question mark. It's always been, you know, a project piece from day one. I, I still don't... I can't get sold 100% on him yet. It's impossible for me. But at the end of the day, Killian has looked like an NBA player since all the injuries have gone down. I mean, he's controlling the game really well. He's actually scoring 14, 12. I mean, he's getting points. You know, the whole complaint was he can't get double digits. Getting the double digits, running the team by himself, which makes me believe he comes off the bench on a contending team as a ninth, 10th man which I hate for like where we got him in the draft seven. But if he continues this progression upwards, which I've seen, and I can't buy into it yet. I can't, he does look like an NBA player now. So that whole talk of like, he should be G league or he won't get a contract next year or an extension. That talks, I think kind of going away from me because the progression, I'm seeing progression for the first time in Killian's career. And it's pretty damn good progression. So Killian's now looking like a roster spot for next year as well. You might only have five roster locks. But at the end of the day, you have your core. Now you got to get a supporting cast around them. Honestly, one more draft pick this year. Hopefully it's Wemby. You get Wemby, you're in the playoffs next year. I don't think you're playing it. But, you know, being a Pistons fan, owning Detroit sports block and all that, it's impossible for the Pistons to win that lottery. It's going to be the Pelicans or the Knicks. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be Ricky for one of the two. YMB will not be a piston. Scoot won't be a piston. The prize will be off the table. But you get an athletic guy like Amy Thompson. Bring in a guy like Grady Day. Um, another guy I really like is Brandon Miller. That feels like a Troy Weaver player. Brandon Miller. There's, there's prospects in this draft, even if you're out of the top two, that will be good fits for this court. What's driving me insane, and this is just what's pissing me off. I don't have a problem starting badly right now. But I don't, I want to see Duran in that lineup at this point. What do you have to lose? Maybe just move Bagley to the four. Go Bagley, Duran. I know it's bringing no shooting and no spacing, but it does bring some interior defense. I think you got to start looking at starting Duran because this is what's getting me angry. You got Casey saying he's ready to start, but you're not ready to throw him in the lineup. Doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you saying he's ready to start, but you're not willing to start him? I don't have an issue with Bagley, but I want to see the 18-year-old get into the starting lineup and see what he can do. If he sucks, I have no issue putting Bagley back in the lineup. I don't have a problem with Bagley. I think he's a good starter. But I have an issue with when your coach comes out and says the guy's ready to start at 18 years old, and he's not starting. I'm kind of annoyed by that. 
I'm gonna, you know, at the Pistons, there's not a crazy amount of stuff to talk about. The hype's dying down, the injuries are piling up, and you're just staring at YMB right now, which is a long shot because of Detroit sports law. You got your Cade, you ain't winning it twice. You went the lotto twice, I mean, shit. You, you won't even know my reaction. I'll be crying if we win that lottery. And I, I want to move on to the Lions. I want to talk about the Thanksgiving game because I didn't drop an episode Friday. It was Black Friday. I you know, wanted to run business for, for the clothing. So I didn't have time to run it on Friday. And I woke up too late Saturday to drop an episode for the Michigan-Ohio State game. But I want to talk about the Thanksgiving game. Jared Goff will never be a franchise quarterback. Jared Goff will always be an in-between mentor quarterback. He just showed that against the Bills. Okay. Campbell might mismanage his timeouts. He got to say it all he want. And I understand that. But when Goff has a wide open receiver downfield with the game on the line, he makes that pass. We're not talking about Campbell and his three timeouts. Yeah, I mean, he handled the clock kind of horribly. But at the end of the day, that pass gets made. Goff makes the right read. Lions win the game. And we're in the clearly in the playoff hunt at five and six. Now you're four and seven. You gotta win five to six to get in. And at this point, this team, I'm rooting for them to win games. Because that Rams pick will be top three. I guarantee it. It will be a top three pick at this point. So winning games now is nothing but positive for the court. And getting the seven wins after that horrific start leads me to believe that Campbell has us on the right track. Now, I'm not ready to make that statement. I will say this. Campbell, Monday through Saturday, might be the best coach the Lions have ever had. He's doing everything with nothing. He's got no talent on the defense, and he's developing the young players that Brad Holmes has drafted into starting NFL players that are keeping us in games against the Bills. They're beating solid teams like the Giants, who, I mean, honestly, you look at the Giants, they'll probably be in the playoffs, or they'll be very damn close. You know, you beat the Giants. You beat the Packers, who you never beat. You beat the Bears who have looked better as of lately. They're playing good football against solid good teams. And that's something I'm going to give Campbell credit for. They're, he's developing the talent really well. And that's something the Lions have never done. They've never drafted well. And they've, you know, the no-brainer picks they've drafted have panned out like shit. Campbell's developing them well. Do I think Campbell, if he clock manages like this his next year, which honestly I'm going to give him a break the rest of the season because he, he's honestly has these guys on the right track, and I'll say that publicly. I, I, I can't sit here and say fire Campbell. There's nothing to sit there and scream about right now. Do I like the guy? No. Do I think the guy is ever going to be the coach that's here when we're winning? He won't be the coach here when we're winning. I don't know. Maybe he will. I've never felt like he's that guy, but if he can't manage a clock next year, which, you know, he keeps this up that this year, you know, I kind of expect it now the rest of the year. Next year, I expect him to learn. He can't do that next year. You got to can the guy. I don't care how good he is Monday through Saturday. You can't have a guy coaching us out of games because when you hit the playoffs, you have a coach you can't clock manage and game manage, you're going to lose. You saw that against the Bills. And no, the Lions are not a playoff team. They're nothing near a playoff team, but that's a Super Bowl contending team that you'd be playing in the playoffs, and your coach has you in it in the last minute and takes you out of it. Goff will never be a quarterback of the franchise. I'm ready to draft a quarterback as well. I'm on that train. 
But I don't know if this is honestly the year on draft quarterback. C.J. Stroud's going to be the quarterback, remember, for losing both his big games against Michigan. He's only two against Michigan. Can't play the big game. Do I want C.J. Stroud on my roster if he can't play the big game and win? I don't know. Bryce Young this year hasn't wowed me either. If anything, he's taken a step back. I'm more on the Will Anderson train and figuring it out with Caleb Williams or yours, but at the same time, I mean, you have to take the quarterback on the table this year. It's clear golf won't be that guy when we're winning. It's clear they're a quarterback away on this offense and a JMO return this week, which if golf can make a read downfield to JMO, they might win sixth end of the season if they stay healthy the rest of the year. And that's not me exaggerating. They went out this year. If JMO comes back and just becomes the rookie of the year front runner, if he played all year, he, he plays like a lobby or better. I, I truly do think this team could win out with that offense. With Jared Goff. It's not crazy. They'll probably finish three and three. Win seven games, call it a year, which is fine. I don't expect much more than three and three. But... If JMO returns and lights it up with the speed and athleticism he has, this team is a completely different offense. You're not going to have to run the ball as much, which the run game has been meh lately. Jamal's been fine. Swift, I don't know what the hell's happened to him. He's disappeared since that injury. It's very clear the coaching staff doesn't like Swift and doesn't want to play him. It's very clear he won't be here next year. That's what I'll say about Swift. He wasn't a guy... That was a Campbell, Brad Holmes player. And it sure seemed like he's on his way out since that injury. But you also got to give the credit to Holmes. I mean, he's drafting well. They're, the players are in the field. They're producing. I'm not so upset with the Lions after this loss. I'm not crazy upset about Campbell because if Goff makes it at read, we're not even talking about that today. Overall, I think the thing that cost us the season and the reason why I think Campbell has been so aggressive has been the kicking situation. Have they stuck with Patterson? We have a kicker. We have a kicker who's at least making a good amount of his kicks. We haven't had a kicker all year. I get why Campbell's been afraid to kick at times because you're dropping on a kicker on the field with a 50-50 shot he's going to make a 40-yard. It's frustrating because they just don't have it. They don't have a guy. And in this draft, I don't care if you spend your sixth round pick on it or fifth. You have to get Jake Moody. You need a kicker in there that's consistent. Because now Campbell is not going for a fourth and three at the 26. He's taking the points. Which he's done a better job of lately. I think he's showing more confidence in the special teams and the kicking unit. But at the same time, that, and I'll catch him a break with some of those aggressive plays because he doesn't have anybody that can kick. Now, going for it on, on the 36-yard line on your own 36, that, that's some shit I, I can't get behind. But right now, I will say, what Campbell has done so far, it's not impressing me, but it's kind of going in a direction that I can sit there and be like, hmm, he might have a clue. Might. He might have a clue. Because he fired Pleasant, defenses look better. His draft picks are getting healthy. The defense is looking better. He has a banged up old line, and they're still looking good. St. Brown's been so much better this year. The offense has taken a massive step forward, something I didn't expect. 
Who remembers last year and they're just throwing out Khalif Ringman as your number one receiver? It came a really long way this year. St. Brown has solidified himself as a potential star in the NFL. You have a um, run game-ish for the first time in years. When Chark is healthy, when Chark's solid, they, they have pieces on that offense that are, you know, looking like NFL pieces. You have to give that to Holmes. You have to give that to Campbell. They, the offense is night and day better than it was last year. They worked on that offense. They built up a line. I mean, they look really good. The defense is taking steps forward every week. So overall, I can't get pissed at Campbell when the teams look better. I'm going to conclude this episode. Remember, check out the Depop shop, MotorUpSports, depop.com slash MotorUpSports. Check out the website. of so much cool vintage gear. I mean, 04 Piston stuff, 97 Wings, Michigan, Vintage Michigan, Vintage Michigan State, Rose Bowl stuff, Lion stuff, and some other out-of-town teams. So much stuff to give out. Take a look at the page, place your orders, and I'll see you guys on Wednesday.